Hey, Laura. Yes. Do you want to know? Uh, do you want to know what kind of socks I have on? <laughs> yes. What color are they? Plot twist: I'm not wearing any. Oh. Whoa. I love how we just start recording and there's no context for why he's asking or saying any of that. What's the That's profanity so rule here? Like a lot, Weird-y. a little. Uh, well, this is a new audience, so we're trying to like ease them in. Okay. But there's been profanity. Can you give me a word, a list of words that I can't say? <laughs> Cunt. Oh. Whoa. We're just going to bleep that Laura one went straight for the fucking singing bomb. <laughs> Good Lord. Oh, man. Yeah, you asked for the word. I was just, it was, it was a factual, Laura, you're supposed to say see you next Tuesday. I've never heard that before in my life. Also, also Laura, I don't use the C word, so. Hey, Laura, uh, well, uh, you do. And also, the whole, like, <laughs> the whole, like, dirty talking thing I was doing, you know, it, it's kind of, we're kind of supposed to ease into it. You just, you just, you just fucking head first dove into that shit. You're like, yo, are you ready for this? Hey, hey, Vic, tell him, tell him where that comes from in my chart. Oh, she, he won't care. <laughs> no, it's for the audience, not him. Oh, 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 yeah, you're right. It's, that's, that's because Laura's Mercury is right next to uh, her son. So her Mercury is in Aries and her son is in Pisces. So sometimes she's a bit jarring in her talking. Okay. So would you say that makes her more of like a Gryffindor or a Hufflepuff? <laughs> oh, she's, mm, she could be a Slytherin even. even. Wow. Yeah, I know. I don't even know what you're... I mean, I think it's a Harry Potter thing, but I don't get it. Yeah, I don't either. We astrologically profile on this show, but I think we've been missing Harry Potter sorting hat. Yeah, we... Uh, I, I kind of thought that's what astrology was all about, was like magic tricks <laughs> and shit like that. That's why I tell everybody <laughs> that you're a witch, Victoria. I'm like, watch your way... Watch your waiver crystal. Captain Smells, it's cool as hell. I brag on you so much, you have no idea. I feel so loved by that. I'm I know. So Where's your sage? When, oh, right here. I have some sage. When I met uh, Lindsay Samuel's fiance's famil- fam- family for the first time at their engagement, <laughs> I walk in bad. and Samuel's like, hey, this is my sister. She's like a sorcerer or something and reads the moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's my assessment of you what an introduction to a group of conservative church of christ people oh no that's the worst they're all super nice they are all super nice but when i accidentally hit my head against the wall and said shit in mm. front of their four-year-old granddaughter they didn't like that mm. one bit <laughs> just don't uh just don't mention to any of them that uh Marijuana may have health benefits. They get uh, they get pretty bent out of shape with that. Bro, is this on a podcast they, that your future in-laws could hear? You be careful. Uh, hey guys, they're not gonna li- they're not gonna listen to this. You never this know. Could go viral. Whoa. I know. Whoa. You're just realizing what you're committing to here, huh? Yeah. I'm so glad that we don't have the camera on because if you guys saw what I was wearing, I'd be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> I'm wearing like Well, a, we know you're not wearing socks. Yeah, no socks. I got a MAGA hat on and I got my, my MAGA chest chest hat. Oh wow. Oh I'm I thought you were gonna say chest hair. 
Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not really wearing a MAGA <laughs> anything. I'm actually wearing a Modelo hat. Shout out to Modelo uh, beer brewed for champions. That's gonna be our first sponsorship, Laura. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. And I don't even know who they Mo- are. So you don't. You never drink a Modelo. I don't even know what that is. It's a uh, Mexican brewery. They do Negro Modelo, Modelo Especial. It's fantastic. <laughs> Seriously, no, Negro Modelo is one of my favorite beers on the freaking planet. You really need to try it. I am allergic to wheat. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about your allergy. Yeah, it's a bummer. But question for you. Victoria and I were discussing your name, and she calls you Samuel, but apparently you're Sam. So what do you want to be called? So I'll be honest. Um, I'd really, really like to start being referred to as Samuel. What happens is I forget and I say Sam or I say Samuel and someone goes Sam and I go, yeah, I just, and I, it's just habit. Wow. Perfect. I actually would love to call you Samuel because that's the only way I know you from through Victoria. I really, Samuel. I really prefer it when people call me Samuel. Like I'm so bad about making that happen, but I think it's endearing. My, uh, my jujitsu coach calls me some well. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a good segue. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. <laughs> um, my name is uh, Samuel uh, Samwell or Sam, or my different aliases. Um, I'm uh, I'm I'm five nine hundred ninety pounds. Wear a size nine and a half shoe. Um, <laughs> Thirty four waist, but um. <laughs> past that um i uh I, okay I'm, I'm trying to victoria you're being really rude right now <laughs> Laura, don't, don't get yeah. it's so <laughs> hard you guys because we have video and all they hear is the recording but it's just a lot happening right now yeah they don't know what i'm doing but i know what they're doing um <laughs> but yeah so i uh i i live uh I live just on the Tennessee Kentucky border. Uh, bought a house last year. I'm engaged. Congrats! To, uh, That's amazing. Uh, thank you, thank you. It made me feel like an uh, an adult, kinda. Of course. Um, yeah, I am uh, engaged to a uh, young lady named Lindsay, who's excellent. Uh, I am a bartender. She's a pharmacist, so I don't really know how I pulled that off. But <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the joke at my bar is, hey, she's she's got till July to to wise up and figure it out. But uh, I'm really hoping that doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> I'm a pseudo intellectual, which basically is just my way of saying that I think I'm a smarty pants, but I'm really full of it. <laughs> um, I bartend. I'm in a band. I play music, play a few instruments. And recently I started taking Brazilian jiu-jitsu classes. Ooh. My first day on Saturday, I got choked unconscious and I threw up on myself. Gosh, that is so yep. intense. Yep. Today I went back and I did a lot better. Um, and uh, I'll show you guys a little nugget today. So I was uh, I was rolling and I was getting my butt whooped. And uh, the coach just kind of started saying, he just kind of kept saying to me this over and over again, like, it's only pain. It's, it's only pain. And at first I was like, yeah, fuck you, dude. This hurts. But I don't know. Like, I've been thinking about it like today a lot. And I'm just like, man, like. I think part of what he was telling me was like, hey, like you're not being injured. Like he's hmm. I'm not doing anything that's going to like damage you. But I think hmm. the other part of it was like, hey, like 
dude, like it's only pain. Like that's all, all that you're going through right now is just pain. I love that. Yeah, I kind of like it. It honestly got me kind of like I. I haven't told him this. I'm I'm still doing like my trial, but I decided after he said that that I was gonna like join. But I haven't told him yet. I mean, I I honestly think that that's such a good even philosophy or perspective for life. It's only pain. For sure. Yeah, and uh, and, and I mean, you know, he went on later. He's like, hey, like you know, all these things, you know, you're. <laughs> lack of conditioning, athleticism, your lack of flexibility, your lack of technique, all these things right now that like suck that are like getting you hurt. Like as you're going through the suffering of overcoming those things, like you're becoming stronger. Welcome to the generator podcast a podcast dedicated to helping you heal, align, and expand your intuition. With high vibe content and light and conversations and weekly energetic updates, we are here to help you get and stay lit by connecting you to your highest self. Get inspired by tuning in to today's episode of The Generator Podcast. Hey, hey, everyone. Hey. Hey, Laura. How's it going, Victoria? How's your week been? It's been it's been a week trying to do this podcast. Yeah. Get it launched. We're a week in and it's been so fun, exciting, but also so much work. It's been a lot of work. Yeah. I feel like that's pretty much like consumed my life this week. Yeah. But I really like looking at the statistics. Oh yeah. Yesterday, Victoria was texting me every couple minutes as the number was going up of people listening. It was so adorable. Y'all, I just can't believe you're actually listening to this podcast. <laughs> I I know that sounds weird, but I just, I think I really can't believe it. I was, it shocked me a little bit. I was definitely more um and, and victoria and i talked about this i've had more vision for this and i just knew that people were going to listen because this is a need this topic this these conversations that there's a need for it and so i just knew people were going to listen i don't know if it's i thought people weren't going to listen as much as like this is how i am when i have like a big trip planned i'm not thinking about the trip at all i'm thinking about packing and getting to the airport and getting through security and until I'm on the plane, my brain is not going, oh my gosh, I'm going to Europe. Yeah, that makes sense. So I think that's kind of, <laughs> yeah. And I, because I need to get all the details taken care of for me to like enjoy myself. Yeah, I have to have the vision and the clarity and what's coming in order to enjoy the present moment and keep going. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm not like that at all. <laughs> I have too much Capricorn in my chart. I'm like, we can't have fun until we get the things done that we need to get done. I'm just way too... Um, and to the point that sometimes when I get places, I'm a little like shocked I'm there for a few days. Mm, that's how Erickson is, my boyfriend. He he takes a, He always says this feels fake for like days on end about something new. I wonder if it's because we both are air signs in our moons because an, an air sign in your, an air in your moon is your, it's more that you, 
this is one quality. It's that you intellectualize your emotions more than you feel them. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, a Libra moon is a little different because we're a bit more relational, but we, I think it's more of a, we think through how we feel more than feel how we feel. And Gemini moon, which is what he is, definitely would do that. So I think, and like, and I can do that with, I can think out something about to happen and I think it's so fun and I don't even need it to happen. I can just talk (laughs) about it. That's the Sagittarius though, isn't it? No, that's, that's still, I mean, air sign and talking is still, no, Sagittarius is want to experience it for sure. They want Mm. it to like, they want it to happen. They want to taste the rainbow not just look at it or talk about it freaking air gemini moons i don't even think they have to see it i think they can just talk about it and think about it and research it and they're happy that's why i am this because he's a sagittarius sun and a gemini moon yeah so that's why i thought it was a sagittarius quality it's a gemini quality well it's a mix i would say probably the fact that he wants to he's intellectualizing about adventurous fun things would be that sad gemini astrology is just one big puzzle that you, it's not like it nothing's in a vacuum so anyway but i think that's well, i wanted to jump in just before we get too far and let everyone know victoria's birthday is this week oh yes yes, yes and that's Thirtieth, which am. is such a deal. I How am. are you feeling about that? I feel fine about it. I feel like I've been thirty since I was eight. <laughs> okay, okay. I don't really. I I think I've always felt very old for my age. So yeah. being thirty feels like. I remember when I went to therapy when I was a kid. My therapist told my mom she'll make a great adult, not that great of a kid. Which is a Capricorn quality, by the way. We tend to age backwards. Interesting. Did not know that. Yeah, but I I think I I don't have a strong feeling about it. I think I, I mean, I'm pretty, I have this idea that, you know, we're always developing areas of our lives and there's definitely areas of, and so I think when we hit 30, really your Saturn return, but 30, because it's this big thing in our society, you know, we look at it and we're like, Oh my God, 30, we're all going to die if we're not pregnant and making a million dollars and married. It's this horrible thing. But you know, it's, I think like there are areas in my life that are very well developed that I feel like I've put lots of energy into. Like my relationship is very well developed. I'm very happy and I feel myself in that relationship and I've worked a long time to get into that particular relationship and also on myself so that I can enjoy that relationship. And then there's some aspects of my life that I'm like, I've not put that much energy towards, or it's still very much in flux. So yeah, I think like, and it's fun getting to launch this podcast right before my 30th birthday. I think that's actually been a, a really important milestone that I don't really think I thought would I would need, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I've self-published a book and started a podcast and have had my own business, graduated college, fallen in love with my best friend, gotten in multiple Mm. car accidents, gotten my nose pierced, had a Brazilian bikini wax all by 30. (laughs) 
travel to multiple places, been mugged. <laughs> oh God, I remember that one. So I mean, I think I, you know, I think it's a, yeah, I I feel good about turning thirty. Good. Yeah. And just so everyone knows, because I said two days, but when they're listening to this, it's, it's already passed. It, it has. So. <laughs> That's a good point because we're recording this on Thursday. My birthday's Saturday. But yeah. Yeah. Well, how are you feeling about my 30th birthday, Laura? I'm feeling excited for you (laughs) because I think the 30th mixed with 2020 is just like golden. I know. And you're coming out of your Saturn return, which praise God. Well, technically I have another year of it. Yeah, but you're, you aren't in the thick of it. Uh that's it's debatable it's it's that's an astrological debate okay 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 so i i definitely think i'm i think also with all this energy stacking into capricorn which segues us nicely all of this energy stacking into capricorn and pluto conjuncting saturn i don't think that i'm gonna feel out of my saturn return for a while (laughs) it's just like a lot that's fair However, yeah. regardless of your Saturn return, you are in far better place of stability than you have been. Oh, yeah. And I'm so excited for that to continue for you. Yeah. Oh, and you you get to get a little taste of your Saturn return. I think, come. I don't know the exact dates, but I want to say it's like early next year because it goes into Aquarius for a little bit. So you'll get to, it, you'll almost get like a preview of your Saturn return. Great. And then it'll go so, back into Capricorn. Yeah. Well, speaking of all of that. <laughs> I can always drag anything into astrology. I'm like, da 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 Let's actually talk about what is about to be talked about in our episode today, which is grief, which is actually going to be i think quite an expansive episode for people wait do we can do we this is sounding very candid now do we actually want to do the energetic update and then do the what the episode is so that they're hearing that right before we go into the episode you're smart you're smart okay that's what i was thinking we were doing so that's why i was like kind of staying on the astrology train for a little bit in my head, it felt like you already gave an update, but you didn't. No. You just talked about it. I just <laughs> talked about astrology. So energetically, guys, so we said that we were going to give energetic updates, astrological updates about the week ahead. We didn't do that on the first episode. And though I may have been talking about some big themes of what's coming in 2020, as far as going into like week to week, we haven't done a lot of that. So this episode, I'm doing this reading on December 19th, but I am doing it as if it was the date the episode comes out, which will be December 23rd. So by this point, you guys, we're going to be in Capricorn season. And that is, which to be honest, you're not going to feel, you're going to feel a little bit different, but it's, we have so much activity going on in Capricorn right now. So at that point, we're going to have sun in Capricorn, Mercury in Capricorn. I want to say... Does Venus come out of Capricorn yet? I think it does. Yes, Venus will be in Aquarius. Um, Oh, yeah, Venus is well in Aquarius uh, by the 23rd. But we still have Sun in Capricorn, Jupiter in Capricorn, Saturn in Capricorn, Pluto in Capricorn. That's a lot of Capricorn. So 
what that's going to feel like. You are going to feel this go, even going into the holidays, you might feel this intense, like I'm not doing enough. I need to get more done. I need to accomplish more. And the Saturn Pluto conjunction, you're already going to st kind of start feeling and that's going to come more as we get into January, but you, it's already here and you're already feeling that energy. I'm going to talk about that more in a later episode, but one of the things that is happening is we have an eclipse coming up right um, on December 25th, depending on where you are, December 26th. So Christmas. So this is one of the, I think it's either the final or the second to last eclipse in this Capricorn Cancer axis or axis. So trying to step back from the technicalities of it, what that means, I really encourage you guys to look up your charts to know where Capricorn and Cancer are in our, your chart, because the, this is a, eclipses happen in, there's sets of eclipses. So this set of eclipses started in January. We had another one this summer, and now we have another one. And it's, it's a set of eclipses that what eclipses do is they come in, they're game changers, they shake things up. So for me, I've had these set of eclipses in my house of health and my house of mental health. So I've seen that. I've seen that happen. I've seen, you know, my loved ones go through some sickness stuff. I've seen my own mental health. I've had to really examine it and look at it. And as well as working with more clients in that area and that arena and just my daily life has been really looked at, which is another place that my, the eclipses have been and Laura, for you, it's yours has been really big. Yours has been in your the house of creativity and expression and romance and children and also community and friends. And I have seen for you those areas be very and and I would say your area is a bit more obvious, like they're it's more outward. So I think it's a little bit more obvious to you. Um, but I've seen a lot of that happening. So Maybe before we transition into the episode, you can t like, how has that felt? Because I've seen it really affecting you. So how, how do you, how have those sets of eclipses felt on that for you? How I'm curious how you see it. Well, first of all, you've moved, <laughs> changed your community dramatically, fallen in love. You've gone from not wanting children to not saying you're trying to have a baby next week or anything, or even that you want kids, but for my mom listening, <laughs> I'm not but you have said to me, you know what? I think I'm, I might could want kids someday, or I really do 10 down 10 years down the road, right? but it used to be an idea in That's, my yes. mind the possibility. Right. It was always no, absolutely not. And now it's, oh, I could, that might, it's not out of the question. Yes, I would agree with that. And you are right. I have moved. I'm not even going to repeat all of it because you just said it. It has definitely affected me. And I, it has felt really intense and like a lot all at once but it is what I've been calling in and asking for for so long. So I'm finally seeing the manifestation of so many of the things that I have wanted for the last several years. Right. Yeah. It's been, it's been fun to watch and I'm about to, and the next set of eclipses that happen in Sag and Gemini are going to hit that place in my chart. So I am fascinated. <laughs> 
mm-hmm. how that's going to play out for me. So I think it'll be good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so looking into this week, guys, just being aware of that Capricorn energy you're feeling, um, try to try to be really gentle with yourself because Capricorn has a tendency to make you feel like you're not doing enough. You need to be doing more. This isn't enough, like overanalyzing yourself a little bit. But also use this energy to make some great New Year's goals. Be logic, be realistic. Don't overdo. Capricorn's really good at starting things slowly. So, or think building things that are going to last for a long time. So think about that. This is a really good energy to, if you're trying to start, don't start on the eclipse. Should say that. <laughs> don't start things on an eclipse. But you know, really thinking about and planning and using this energy, like what do you want 2020 to look like? What do you want this next decade to look like? And I'm all about setting intentions rather than goals, because I think that setting intentions is far more powerful than a to-do list. But, you know, I think we'll probably talk about that more maybe in the next episode and next intro, but yeah, just kind of starting to think about that, you know, enjoy time with your family I know you, there's no, there's, there's not a lot to help you not think of everything super businessy this week, but try to be just, you know, I know the presents need to get bought, places need to get going, you know, you got to get to those places, but try to enjoy it. This is Christmas or whatever holiday that you're celebrating. So I also listened to someone yesterday who had a really great perspective on this, which is she was saying. And I think this is good because of the energy that you're talking about. Celebrate where you've already come from and what you have currently. It'll help kind of ground you back into the present moment. That's good. Rather than really caught up in what you're trying to call in, what you're, you know, what you got to do, what's on that list. It like, and I did that and it really helped me. I just wound up sitting and crying because I've been running so hard and so much has been changing I had forgotten to sit and look at how far I've come, what I've accomplished, the energy I'm living in that I've always wanted to live in. I'm living in now and celebrating the life that I've already created and, and actually like getting really specific, like sitting and looking at your Christmas tree and absorbing the beauty of it and like using your senses, your feminine energy to connect to it and to help you ground back into your body. That's good. So Love every little detail. Look at your kids, look at their hair, smell their hair, brush their hair, take time to really connect to the present moment and use your senses. Because as women, our feminine energy, we connect with our senses and that's why we remember things. So we can really use that to our advantage to help us ground. I'm laughing because that said like a true Taurus moon, we need to connect (laughs) to our senses. We need to connect (laughs) I'm like, that is, that is the spoke. So it's about, cause they gotta, first of all, I, you guys have now heard the crazy intro that was yes. my brother. So I hope you guys wisdom. That is such wisdom spoken from the mouth from a true Taurus moon. Anyway. So let's get into a little bit about what this episode enjoyed that. Cause that's how this episode's going to get edited. I'm just going to let them hear the sock rant right off the bat. So hope you guys enjoyed that (laughs) do what 
He is quite a riot. He, he's oh, yeah. like an untamed horse. You can't hold him down. He's just going to do what he wants to do. Oh, yeah. That is talk about a Sag moon. That is a Sagittarius moon right there. Oh, yeah. We don't talk about his astrological profile, but my brother is a Libra rising and a Virgo sun and a Sag moon, which and a Venus and Leo, which is why he is so dramatic in the way that he relates to people. But that mm-hmm. is, it's, that's a pretty intense combination. And I always laugh that I say that sa- that Libra rising, it makes him come off slightly unassuming. And you're like, <laughs> oh, he's just like a nice guy. And then you're like, oh, dear God. <laughs> you're that's so intense. That's how I felt when we recorded the pod, the episode, because this was the first time I'd ever met him. Right. And so like, beginning we're talking and he's like kind of chill you know and then all of a sudden it's like bam when he gets into it and I was like okay I see you uh-huh. he is and and it's it's really fun I think to listen to him because he is so funny and then he and then in the midst of you laughing he all of a sudden drops honestly really profound wisdom mm-hmm. and he's really good at, at actually connecting to the vulnerability mm-hmm. and what's happening in the moment and so it doesn't feel like he uses comedy to, comedy to always like jump out of the boat of vulnerability no. but he uses tandem with it so it helps kind of like comic what do they call it comic relief yeah i almost think he uses the comedy like he uses his humor to kind of disarm you and then once you're there yeah. it's like now let's be vulnerable and you're like yeah. oh shit didn't see that coming <laughs> Because we talked about your dad dying when you guys were kids. Right. Oh, a lot of that was really rough, you know, to listen to and to to go through that journey with you guys. It also felt so palatable because of the way that he talks about it. Yeah. And we in his wisdom and his comedy. And so it didn't feel like such a heavy episode that you're like, oh, I don't want to listen to this. But it was the right amount of transparency for you guys to understand and have like even to feel it was super relatable for everyone. Yeah. So we, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and let you guys finish this episode. We hope you enjoy it. If you have lost somebody this year, I just want to say, oh my gosh, I'm so emotional. I just want to say, I'm so sorry. And you're seen and you're loved. And this is hard. And I'm really sorry about your loss, but you're going to get through it and you're going to get to the other side of it and you're going to have a really beautiful story to tell, but there is no right way to spend a holiday after losing a loved one. So no pressure. If you're a mess in your pajamas with ice cream and a bottle of wine, you did it and I'm proud of you. So I just want to say that going into this episode as well. So without further ado, Please enjoy this episode, and we will see you on the other side. Hey, guys, and welcome back to the Generator podcast. This is Victoria, and we're hanging out. Say hey, Laura. Laura's here, Hey, guys. Hey, and we're hanging out with my brother, Samuel, today. Say hey, Samuel. Hey, Samuel. (laughs) Don't laugh at that. That was that was lame. That was that was awful. Low hanging fruit. Well, that's was your nickname in high school. So it was it was uh, the baby carrot, and you know that. 
as, he can't help you now as you can tell my brother is very funny so we're really excited to interview him today about a really light funny subject totally joking we're actually talking about grief and processing pain in the holidays and we thought what better person to bring on than somebody that's funny to talk about grief geez i hope i can live up to the hype <laughs> <laughs> yeah we really now hope know, so too now I, know, now I know how obama felt <laughs> <laughs> it's tough man our first politics reference everyone's like you're the black christ you're gonna save the earth and he's like oh shit i was just gonna be president <laughs> oh, my god. oh my gosh after eight years it turned out okay but Wait, this know. is really not gonna we're gonna steer away from the politics now because the thing is is i know that my brother's just joking and being a goofball but not everyone else knows that so it's true sorry sorry oh, obama he's not the one that's offended um anyway sorry god <laughs> if obama is listening to this i would feel so honored he's he's probably going to well, wow earlier you didn't even think that your fiance's family was going to listen to it now you think the first african-american president of the united states of america is going to be tuning in those things aren't mutually exclusive i still believe both of those things <laughs> <laughs> lindsey's family will not listen to this barack obama might <laughs> okay so without further ado um, I'm I'm now going to get in the interviewee seat along with my brother and pass the podcast host mic, and this is a metaphoric one. Um, I'm going to sit it down, and Laura has her own podcasting mic, but I'm going to sit mine down. Is Laura's metaphoric, or does she really have one? I I, I just wanted to be clear to the audience <laughs> that they didn't think. They didn't think you were conjuring up a oh, spell gosh. or something. Well, I mean, this is a spiritual podcast, so. I feel spiritual. My shirt that I have on right now actually says spiritual <laughs> AF. I really wish that was true. Just so you guys know. It is true. I'm like, I'm not kidding. Wait, really? Yeah, I've got a spiritual AF shirt. Please? Okay, we're going to put that in the show notes. I just feel like that needs to be there. How? Yeah, okay. How perfect that you're wearing that t-shirt for our podcast. I try to wear it as often as I can. I feel like it just kind of represents. <laughs> Do you I now? Mean. I love that. Then you're in the right yeah. place. Yeah. Thank you. I, I, I love that. <laughs> well, we're going to get into the meat of this episode today. And we talked a little bit on the first episode about Victoria and the loss of her dad. And we thought it would be a great episode to kind of share on a deeper level of how Victoria and Samuel both have walked through the grieving process with that. So I just want to start with a simple question. <laughs> Tell us about your dad, both of you, and kind of what happened. Um, so my dad is a man that I did not really know. Um, he passed away in a car accident when I was, I guess, like a year and a few months, 15 months. So I think that's weird how people, like, count. Like, the culture kids, it's like, 
he's 23 <laughs> months. I'm like, I don't know what that means. Like, he's almost two. Is that what you're saying? Okay. I never he's get that either. Karen. It's my fiance says that you do it up till two years. And I'm like, if someone's like, if I'm like, oh, your, your kid's, you know, so energetic. And they're like, well, he's 16 months. I'm going to be like, I don't know what that means. So back to that, I was, I was 15 months and you know what that means, moms. Am I right? <laughs> I have no idea what the hell that means, but I was 15 months. Um, I know uh, this is kind of a sad detail. I know that I, uh, I took my first steps that morning. Oh, this is going to make me cry like yeah. off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. I walked, uh, I came out of the uh, nursery at church and I walked towards them and those were my first steps that morning. And uh, yeah, we, uh, from what I understand, we were in the car. Um, we were driving home from church. I was in a, uh, baby seat toria was back there with me dad was driving mom was in the front seat um i think a car veered into his lane on a two-way he pulled out and pulled like onto like the side of the road and when he came back he overcorrected and went head on into a truck wow um they're both going about 30 like 35 ish miles an hour so combined force about 70 miles an hour um and he died hours later in the hospital from pretty severe head trauma. Wow. That's awful. I am so sorry. Victoria, is there anything that you would like to share about your dad and what happened? No, it's really interesting listening to Samuel share it because, you know, you don't ever hear your sibling share the details and it's actually a lot sadder. <laughs> listening to like this almost like we're we're watching the same movie but it's like mm. you forget you for it's like you're in the movie and you forget how sad it is until you hear it from somebody else's perspective and you're like like all of those details I mean if if you were to ask me to describe the car accident 90% of it I would have said the same thing in the same order because we don't really remember it we're just told a story and so we repeat it Correct. really similarly but just something about in details like you don't I don't remember like I know Samuel took his first steps that morning but that's not something I've latched onto in my head because it's not necessarily like a memory it's not about me so it's just interesting that that's a piece of it that he latched onto whereas the piece that I latched onto is that my dad dressed me that morning and oh. I think and also that he put me in the car seat he was the one that put me in the car seat and that my car seat was a little looser than Samuel's and so I had a little bit of injury and part but also my dad mm. I was sitting behind my dad so it's just interesting to hear like the tidbits that he remembers versus the tidbits like I always highlight Wow. That is, it is interesting hearing from different perspectives. Mm -hmm. Well, I would like to know, Samuel, from you, what it was like grieving with a sibling and like, what were the ways um, that maybe it was the same as Victoria or different? Um. Yeah, I, 
honestly, it's when we were younger, I think our grieving was completely polar opposite. And then as we got older, I think it's become very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but starting out, I mean, it's kind of one of those things like I like some of my uh, some of my earliest memories are like. Like not my let me let me clarify my earliest like memories that I have period are me like understanding what happened yeah like those are some of my like first like conscious thoughts that like I can recall yeah um so I think it was kind of one of those things where it was like and I mean I'm talking about like three four years old like like young. So it was almost like by the time I was like six, nah, probably not six, probably like, probably like eight, nine. I like felt like, like I felt like I needed to be over it by that point. Mm. So I don't know. I kind of just took this like subconscious. I guess I just kind of made up this like decision in my mind where I was just like, all right, like this happened it sucks, but at the same time, like, fuck it. Like, I just, I, I, I got to figure it out. And, you know, it's one of those things where I won't, uh, I won't get too, too into my mom in this situation, but it, it became very apparent to me from a very young age that, like, she was not okay, yeah. like, from that. And that she wasn't really capable of holding everything together so I just kind of swallowed it, um, probably like eight, eight, nine years old, probably around there. And yeah, it just kind of became like, I didn't really talk about it. It wasn't really something I wanted to like process. It was just kind of like, yeah, this happened and it sucked. And I think that it just kind of just came out in different ways. I mean, not really like, I mean, if you would have asked me when I was 12, 13, like, Hey, like, tell me about your dad. I would just would have been like, I'm over it. Mm. Like it happened. Like it sucked. But like. I think that was also just kind of like a survival tactic. I think that was just kind of how I had to get through it was just to be like, yeah, it was this shitty thing that happened, but you know, here I am. And I would always be like, Oh, you know, well, if he didn't die, you know, I would have never moved to Nashville and I would never have the friends I have now. And, you know, m- maybe I would have never played music. And I mean, I, I, I kind of would go down that right. path and kind of, uh, kind of like idealize everything and kind of like normalize it. Um, as I've gotten older, I've definitely like come to terms a lot more with like what happened, how it affected me and like what it cost me. And like, and even like going back and like, you know, like I, I've had to learn like literally within the past past five years, like how to have a father figure. Mm. I don't know if I'm diving too deep on the, on the kind of the intro to this question, but like, that's something that I've really had to like, like that's been like a recent thing. Cause like, I didn't really know how to relate to older men. I didn't really know if I trusted older men. I just, I didn't really, I, I just didn't know. It was just, it was always awkward. And yeah, like I said, I mean, I just like, as an adult, you know, I've just kind of had to take, you know, like, like I can look back and be like, Hey, this happened or this didn't happen when I was a kid and it sucked. But at the same time as an adult now, like I've like, like it's my responsibility to own it. Yeah. That makes sense. Thank you so much for sharing that. Victoria, did you have anything that you would like to share on ways that you guys grieve the same or different? 
Um, yeah, I think I, well, first of all, I want to say I really, Samuel, I definitely resonate with you when you're talking about that, just kind of that feeling of like, you need to get over it and be done. And it's interesting, but I think that was probably around the same time. I was a little bit older than you, but I'm, it's interesting to me that I, cause what did you say? You felt like eight or nine? Probably around there. Yeah, it was because I remember like mom, like whenever she took us to uh, like counseling for the first time, I remember she like told my mom, she was like, he doesn't even really. I I think her thought was that like I wasn't really processing what was going on. I just didn't care. Gotcha. Well, I it was interesting because you said that and I was thinking I was like, I think I've had those thoughts around 11. So I would have been about two years older than you, or I'm two years older than you. So it probably happened around the same time that we kind of made this like subconscious decision of like, we should just be over this by now. And we're going to stop feeling sad. Yeah. So right. I think that was, so obviously that's one way we grieved really similarly. I think I always felt like I was grieving it a little bit though. Like even in that time, I still probably once a year cried around the day he died. I would cry around father's day. I would let myself cry. I don't think I, um, cut it off completely. So that's probably one way we grieved differently. And I don't know if I ever felt like I needed to really completely stop. I think I made friends with my grief a little bit differently than Samuel, where I kind of had a relationship with it. And it, and, and I guess maybe hearing you, Samuel, I like, maybe, I don't know. Do you feel like you did? Like, do you feel like that's true about me? Cause I feel like almost like when you're looking back, it's like, do you feel like I was always kind of grieving? Yeah, I felt, I don't know, like, I, I I feel like especially when we were younger, like, I, okay, so, like, on a day-to-day basis, I think I was a much lighter person than you Oh, were. yeah. But. Like, emotionally? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but when it would, but it would back up, and then when it would back up and I would freak out, like, I would freak out. Oh, yeah, like, you had a lot of and anger. And that would happen. Yeah, I mean, I was punching holes in the walls and, I mean, just losing my shed. And, I mean, it would happen periodically. And, I don't know, I think that was, like, that was weird, too, because it was, like, I don't know. It was, like, oh, well, you know, hormones, puberty. Yeah. And, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's Everyone that's kind of see. But it, it's really funny, though, because even, like, listening to you say all that, I don't, I think I, like, I didn't love that you did that or you know but I also kind of had this feeling of like he's just kind of almost just like he's just doing what he has to do and like it's fine and I'm gonna stay out of it and I don't want to be involved but I don't really feel like I had this like judgment towards I feel like I knew it was about that and it was just kind of felt like there's just stuff that's got to get out and this is how it's coming out and I don't really like, I don't ever feel like I got mad at you about doing that too much. And I don't, right. I wasn't I mean, scared like, of you or anything. And I mean, it, it really was like, I mean, I like, I mean, I, I can recall a couple of instances where like, I think one time I was like, 
maybe I was playing like basketball or like I was doing something. I was like playing basketball or football with some friends or something. And basically it just kind of came out that like, Oh, like I don't know how to catch. I don't know how to tackle. I don't know how to throw. And I just remember like I was trying to learn and I was like trying to teach myself how to do that kind of stuff on the fly and I've I've always been one of these people that like there's a lot there's a lot of things that like I'm just naturally good at and things that I'm not good at immediately I do not like to do. Um and when I was when I was younger, I, I don't really think I realized kind of like the things that I was good at. I think I was just kind of going to the things I wasn't good at. But I remember one of the times and I just like flipped out was like was because of that. It was because I was just like like, I mean, I just, like, couldn't even, like, hang with, like, anybody, like, whether it was, like, football or basketball or baseball, or whatever we were playing. And I was just like, well, shit, like, you know, it would have been great, you know, if somebody when I was six years old taught me how to hold a football instead of me trying to figure it out at 13 or, you know, however old I was. But, I mean, that was that was the kind of stuff that would really, really just, just put me in that mode. And then it would it was kind of one of those things where like, and then I would kind of like feel dumb for feeling sorry for myself. And then I would just get mad. And and then it just was just like an explosion of emotion. Yeah. And I think it's also, you know, important to add in there about this, that not only did we not have a dad, but we also had a disabled parent. So like, yeah, like a mom could teach their kid how to throw a ball, but our mom couldn't. And right. she couldn't right. really, you know, she wasn't super mobile and she didn't walk really well. And, you know, I think that that affects a lot <laughs> having, you know, neither parent be able to be super physical with you. For sure. So I would love to know how do you know when you're done grieving? Because I think society tries to put like a time limit on how long we're supposed to grieve. And we all know the quote, time heals all things. So what is the role that time plays in the grieving process? Um, that's, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't really think that I don't think that grief ever really stops, but I think it gets more manageable. Yeah. I think it gets, um, I think you just, you, you, you kind of learn to function within grief and, you know, like I, I think me and Victoria both kind of experience like kind of seasonal grief with this. And I mean, honestly, like, oh, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, like I, it's, it's probably going to happen every single year until I die. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like it's, it's just, it's so different for different people. It's different with different situations, but like, you know, like when big things happened, um, I got real bummed out um, when I got engaged about mm-hmm. it because that was, you know, something that, you know, you want you want your family to be there for. Um, 
you know, I got a wedding coming up in July. And I mean, I think that that's probably going to hit me then. Um, when I graduated high school, I had a, I had a little moment of it. Um, yeah, I, I just think big milestones in life. It's just going to kind of come back around. And I mean, I think Victoria talked earlier about kind of like befriending your grief, which is something that I definitely didn't learn to do until later in life. But I feel like once you like befriend your grief and you understand, like, it's almost like there to protect you in a way, like it's there to like keep you sane. Um, you know, it, it isn't there all the time, but when it comes around, you know, you're not like, Oh, go away. You're just like, okay, Hey, you again, let's like, let's, let's do this. And you just kind of like, I don't know. Like, I, I think a healthy perspective on it is like, you know, you don't necessarily force it, but like when it comes, just let it come and let it ride let it wave you know and then it'll go and you know sometimes you'll be able to laugh about it and sometimes you'll be able to make jokes and you know sometimes you will feel like crying and not want to get out of bed and yeah I mean that's just kind of the nature of like a relationship I mean you know that's I mean I love my fiance Lindsay more than anything but sometimes (laughs) You know, sometimes we're laughing, sometimes we're crying, sometimes we're irritated with each other. And I mean, yeah, I mean, like grief is just a relationship. I love that. That's so powerful. And do you find that when you've learned to kind of befriend grief, that it moves on maybe quicker than if you suppress it? What is your experience with that, the difference? So suppression was definitely my first uh, go-to, like, as a kid. Um, I just, I I don't know, not to, like, get, like, technical or nitpicky, but, like, I don't, and I mean, I I guess it kind of depends on, like, what we're talking about. Like, I mean, I think that some people, like, like, for my fiance, she had like an academic failure. And like for her, like that was grief. Now, I don't think that she is going to be grieving about her academic failure in 20 years. Um, but like, it, it, it kind of depends on what kind of grief. But I guess what I was getting at is that like, I don't think that moving on really needs to be the goal. Mm. I don't. I think if you look at it that way, it's like, you're like, I don't want this here. I don't want it to be here. I just want it to be gone. And like, it's never going to be gone. Mm. Um, You can learn to manage it. It can play a smaller, it can play less and less of a role in your life, but hey, just befriending it and accepting it and just let it be there when it needs to be there. I feel like not so much that it, moves on or goes away but you 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 can survive with it versus when you just suppress it like so many of us do and then it decides to come out which it will it there is no functioning with it there is no Mm. there is no just being cool like no it, it it overtakes you and you act irrational and you rage and you lose control of yourself and you know, for me, I was, you know, punching holes in the walls and doing whatever else. And I mean, you know, you just can't live that way. Because I mean, truthfully, like, I mean, I'm I'm thankful that I never got here. But, you know, it's like, you know, every every person that beats their spouse, every person that, you know, 
every person that ends up being just an explosive raging mess is suppressing something like right. there's the, 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 there's there's something that there's a catalyst that's making them explode i mean maybe maybe there are some people that are just born broken like that i don't i can't really speak for everybody but i feel like that's probably that's that's probably more more often the case than not right yeah yeah and i think just to speak in the making friends with your grief I think when you do that, you're able to invite other people into it because if you're not able to make friends with that pain and that process, then nobody is going to feel comfortable sitting in it with you. Mm. And that's one of the hardest things I think, you know, as kids and as an adult, but having a loss like that, as weird as it sounds, it really isolates you from people because people don't really know what to do with you. and they don't know what to say. And especially if they've never experienced that loss. And most people don't lose their parent as a child. That's not normal. I'm not saying that's never happens. I mean, I'm plenty of people have, but it's not, it's, it's not, it's not every day that that happens or it's not every person you meet that that happens to. So, you know, as kids, it would, teachers wouldn't know what to say. And friends wouldn't know what to say. And friends, especially kids, don't know what to say. And you can feel really isolated and lonely in that. And honestly, I feel like there's something wrong with you and feel like an outcast. So not only are you grieving this pain and you have this huge loss, but then no one is willing or able or knows how to be in it with you. So you, if you're, if you hate your grief and you're not willing to process it, then every time it comes around, you abandon yourself and you feel abandoned by other people. So making friends with it, I think to for me, honestly, was the first step at coming out of isolation and pain and getting connection with other people. Because if I don't know how to deal with it, then I can't, I can't invite other people into it. That makes so much sense. Have you guys had any moments you felt like your dad was there, like maybe through dreams or metaphysical spiritual encounters? I've had a couple. Um, I've had a couple different instances. Um, one of the main ones, and this was like, uh, this is probably the most significant one. Um, I was kind of going through one of my just kind of like rage sadness griefs um we lived in franklin at this point so uh i was probably I, I was probably let's let's call it 12 i was probably right around there right around 12 and i remember i just got this like overwhelming like depression because it uh i just heard over and over and over again and again it's like you know when somebody dies like jesus christ like they just like like, 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 like people talk about them like they're like they're a saint. So like, I had this like unreal person built up in my head, and like it, it it was funny because like I think that people told me that you know to like comfort me and be like oh like your dad was a great guy he did this and this and this but honestly it just made me like it made me upset because I was like you know if he was just like if he was just an asshole, like, 
I could maybe even rationalize that him not being in my life isn't that big of a deal. Um, but anyways, I remember like one, like I remember I like went through a phase where I would just like go to sleep and I just remember like, I would just be like, man, like I wish I could just know him. I wish I could just have a conversation with him. I wish I could get just, you know, one sentence of advice. I, I, I just wish I could do something. And, uh, one night I ended up having a dream where, I was I was in I guess kind of my twelve year old version of heaven, you know, just like a pretty like nature park kind of area. Um, and he was there, and we walked around and we talked. That's where I always see him. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. It's in like a nature park and it's like next and I'm on a bench and there's a little pond thing and a tree. Yeah. 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 There's a pond in mine too. Oh my gosh. We're like, which side of the pond, if you're looking at the pond, is the bench on? From what angle? If you're looking, uh, I don't know. Depending on what side of the pond you're on, they would be opposite. But usually, when I when I've approached it, it's been to the left. Me too. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, and the trees on the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's like if I'm sitting on the bench, the trees to my left. But yeah, like like just I mean like surreal looking, just stupid clean water that looks like it's yeah yeah yeah. that's really cool yeah that's where we always or are is on the bench and around that park oh yeah so we uh we just walked around and we just we just talked and like he gave me some advice and he you know gave me you know gave me a couple of things he told me that he was proud of me for Mm. um there really wasn't like he didn't tell me a whole lot, but we just hung out. Hmm. And uh, I, I I thought it was odd when I woke up. Like, I thought it was kind of strange. And, like, I all of a sudden, like, I had some, like, random memories, like, actual memories of him that I, like, confirmed with my mom. That was, like, like, I remember I was, like, hey, did we have a, uh, did we have an ashtray? on the like side table that was bronze and had a glass tray and she was like yeah and i was like did you guys used to put change in that and she was like yeah and i was like okay i remember that wow and then like we we found it and it's like in my house now and like i remember like playing with that change or like looking up and i was like okay like was it right beside the couch and like was the tv right across it Mm. and like would he sit here when he like watched football or whatever so like I like inherited that memory somehow and uh, I'm not going to go far off, but just a little several, several years later, I'm not going to get into the situation, but long story short, I had a manager of my first job that died Um, and me and him kind of had some words right before he died. And I was like 16, like I was pretty young and ended up in the same place in a dream and ended up seeing him. And he was like, Hey man, like, none of this is your fault. Like, I'm not mad at you. I wasn't mad at you. And like, I got like closure on it. So that he died in a car accident too, right? He did. He did die in a yeah. car accident. Um, so that like when that happened, like, I mean, obviously it was cool for that situation to kind of gain some closure on that, but it also like validated the fact that like, 
I guess like I hold pretty tight to believe that I actually talked to both of them. What's interesting is that I've had a few dreams, but most of mine have been more like in meditations. And that's where I am in that dream is where Samuel just described. And, but there's been some things that have like, apparently I talked to my dad when I was like right after he died. And I think that was probably one of my first spiritual experiences. And I told my mom and I remember like seeing him and talking to him. And I think I always talked to him um, right before I moved from California back to Nashville. A couple years ago, I was laying in my bed and my dad was kind of talking to me. And I don't really remember what he was saying, but I just remembered like all of a sudden being able to feel how he felt about our mom and how, how much he loved her. And not only did it, it was it just so beautiful that I got to, I got to feel such an intense, pure love towards somebody, but I also just saw my mother through this completely different lens. And I had been processing and dealing with a lot of pain about my mom years leading up to that and there was something about that memory or that feeling and that encounter that just it just healed something in me and all this stuff I was processing just was able to kind of just I was just able to let go of it and so not only did it feel like this really cool encounter with my dad it also healed a relationship that I had with my mom with my parent that was here and we still, you know, we still had some stuff to work through after that, but that was, and then there was also, this is a reoccurring theme and Samuel, you might have some, but our family, my dad smoked a pipe and our family, me and my mom and brother, well, I know me and my mom have, we've smelled his pipe tobacco at different times. So I remember smelling it on 9-11 I had to go to dance that day and I was really nervous because everything had just happened and I was about 11 and I was really scared. And I remember being in the dance studio and I could smell his pipe tobacco and I just felt really comforted and safe. And then I remember, and then my brother, Samuel, you had a, mer you remember you had that emergency surgery when you were four and my mom said that she smelled it in the waiting room and she was really scared. Um, and it had been a couple years after he died at that point. And there's been a few times in my life where I'll just all of a sudden like catch a whiff of it and it's very, and I just know he's there and it's so outside of, and it's generally not when I'm thinking about it. It's never when I'm thinking about it and it's so, but it, it makes him feel like he's like, I know he's really there. I love that so much. It's beautiful. I would love to hear it, what tools you maybe have used, whether it's like you mentioned, you are a musician, like what are ways that you've processed your pain? Is it maybe through counseling or therapy or any of those things? So in my adult life, there have been a couple of uh, like counseling and like therapy sessions and stuff like that. Um, I'm actually in premarital counseling right now, me and my fiance are, and uh, that of course has come up a couple times. Um, so yeah, that's, um, that definitely helped. I feel like that definitely like 
being in a couple of different counseling scenarios, I feel like definitely kind of gave me a, gave me a better toolbox. It's kind of the way, it's kind of the language I'm familiar with. It's like, you know, here are just some different like ways to like cope and handle this. Um, my first one, and I really like, I really only made this correlation a couple of years ago, but like I started uh, like the first thing that I ever like found that I was good at, like naturally was playing drums. Um, and I just like, I, I was self-taught. Like I taught myself. Yeah, it was play. very weird. All, we, My mom got him a drum set for his birthday and we're all imagining just this like crashing chaos that's about to come from the rec room upstairs. And then I remember he starts playing and it was like, our eyes were as big as saucers and we were like how the hell did he learn how to do this and we were both like i remember that we like went and like looked in the room and we we're like maybe that's not him May i mean it was so odd but yeah he really was very naturally good at it yeah that was that was probably the first thing i ever was like hey i'm good at this <laughs> that was kind of when that like realization that I could do things kind of started. But like, I remember that was like, I, I was really excited about that because it was like, it, it gave me something to like, like it gave me something to kind of pour myself into. Um, not that I'm necessarily endorsing this now, but at the time I feel like it kind of gave me an identity. Um, Cause I mean, I was like 13. Like, I don't really think I'd had really grip. Or maybe I was older than them. Maybe you were I was like, like 14. 15 or 16, I, I thought. No, you were, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, I was younger than that. Um, but yeah, I mean, so so it kind of gave me an identity to grasp. Um, but anyway, so that kind of led me down the road of like playing in bands. And I was always kind of attracted to like dark and like heavy and sadistic and like angry and that was like all I really wanted to play. Like, like honestly from like my like early teen years into like my like mid twenties and even kind of now. And like, I, I made that correlation like a year ago. I was like, I was prop like, that was probably like my way to just like channel what was going on. Because like the truth is, is like, you know, it, you know, at 11 or 12, I'm not saying it was okay to punch holes in the walls, but like, I, I, I couldn't do that at 17. You know what I mean? Um, Like, I mean, I kind of had to, you know, I mean, you know, once I started, you know, driving and once I started working a job, I mean, I couldn't just go ballistic sometimes. Well, you could have, but it probably wouldn't have done you too well. So. Right. It would have been a, it would have been a lot more problematic had I have done yeah, that. Yeah. So. And I think, you know, something you're highlighting, which I think is really important, is that anger is a part of grief. And that's yeah. not something that everybody always really likes to think about. That that's a, that's a healthy part of grief is getting angry. And you have to let that out because it's, it's, it's yes. covering a lot of pain and it needs to come out. And, you know, for me, that's looked like, I will ride down this road like yelling sometimes or I, I it's very vocal for me like I will scream at the top of my lungs like into a pillow or and it's just this like it, like I have to get this out of me and you know it 
it's 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 healthy and i think you know what you're saying about the drums it's it's a healthy way to channel that anger yeah and i mean i i know i i wholeheartedly agree and i uh I remember earlier there was a question along the lines of like you know like like societal pressures and if there's one thing that I just could wish I could just absolutely throw away as far as like society's viewpoint on grief is like anger is not a bad thing like you you shouldn't be afraid of your anger you shouldn't you should not be you should not dislike your anger anger is not a bad thing anger is a healthy thing anger is something that like you need to feel so this idea out there that like you shouldn't be angry or that you can't be angry because i think that messed me up a lot when i was younger because my mom was legitimately scared of my anger so like i became kind of scared of it and i became like i didn't trust myself and i was felt like I couldn't be angry and it was it it was it, it was very the message and I don't know that anybody like implicitly told me this but like the message became don't have anger as a, Was I the only one in the owls that wasn't afraid of your anger? Probably. That's very interesting cuz I never was afraid of your anger. Yeah, no, mom was terrified. Like I never it. thought I know she was. And I remember just being like, it's annoying. I don't love the holes in the rec room, but like, he's not gonna like beat either one of us. Like, I was just so aware that I was like, yeah, he's hitting a hole in the wall because he's pissed off and it's a wall. And I think I just knew it didn't, it felt like not a great choice to let your anger out on but it didn't ever really feel like scary to me right and i mean I, I i think the truth was i think ideally in a perfect scenario there would have been somebody who would have been like hey like everything that you're feeling is fine the fact that you're expressing it is fine however here are some better ways to express it yeah i think that would have been a healthier a more helpful viewpoint than hey just don't feel it like it's cool yeah like like, like swallow it <laughs> totally which i i know you heard that and i know that was said to you it was more i got a lot less of like tough up and swallow it a lot less of that and a lot more like do you see what your anger does like do you see how upset your mother gets like do you see how much it, look, 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 like i got like guilted and like i no, I mean, like, I mean, I, I, emotion, like, um, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I, I think I could call that emotional manipulation. Like, there was a lot of like guilt and shame that kind of wore on me to like keep me away from anger. It's like looking back, I'm like, Jesus, that was such a weird thing to do. I, I feel like what I want to tell, like, when it comes to, and this is just like a public service announcement, like when people go through loss. I think if you want to know how to help somebody in grief, watch a kid when they get upset about anything and how they hand and what happens, what they do is like, if you try to fix a kid's problem, they don't do super well with it. Like if they come crying to you because they fell or because something's wrong or they had something happen, most of the time they just want to cry. And then five minutes later, they're like, okay, cool. Let's go do something else. And 
I mean, and that's kind of what grief is like. Like, just let the person be sad. Like, you don't have to have a grief to compare. You don't, you don't have to say, well, I don't really understand what that feels like. I mean, you can, but that's okay. No, we don't, none of us know what other people's pain is like. Well, I think the biggest, I, I, I think the biggest issue that some people do is they maybe have like grief and pain in their own life and maybe they have emotions that they don't let themselves have. So when you are having them in front of them, they're like, oh no, 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 you can't do that. Totally. Like it's, it's yeah. scary and it's threatening. So I feel like a lot of people now I'm, I'm talking about people that like care about you that are trying to do good. I feel like try to direct your grieving away so that it doesn't make them feel uncomfortable. When in reality, like, I mean, there are some extents to this, but I mean, I really, I, I, I really don't care if my grief makes you feel uncomfortable. Like late December, I, I just, I, I kind of go into it and I, like I said, it just doesn't, I mean, it, it just kind of is what it is. Like, I mean, it, why does it hit you late December? Um, I don't know. I've. Cause it's two days from now. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, I think all the hype from the holidays and Christmas and just being busy, I think keeps me pretty occupied. But then, like once Christmas is over and I get that first sense of like relief and relaxing, that's kind of when it creeps in. I don't think you guys even mentioned when he passed away. Did you say the date? He December 13th. So he died. It was eight days before my third birthday. And my birthday is four days before Christmas. So it was a few, like 12 days before Christmas. And yeah, I think Christmas and the holidays, you know, I know a lot of people say, you know, the holidays are really hard, you know, after losing somebody. And yeah, <laughs> also it feels really tied in with his death for us, like directly. So that's kind of been an interesting thing to process. And, you know, even just having it so close to my birthday. And it, it's just weird to see everybody else in the world, like, be happy. And you know you have to kind of get through this anniversary. Mm. And it's just, it's a, it's a very, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if, Samuel, if you feel like that, but it. I know you said you can kind of get caught up in the hype, but it, it's an it's an odd thing, I think, to see everybody be happy and you feel sad. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Yeah, I would I would agree. I would say it's pretty like uh like I I would definitely say like my earliest feelings of like true isolation were probably always around Christmas time about just never really never really getting to just like really enjoy it um never getting to just really like do the normal christmas thing and be happy about it and have a joyous time like i've always hated christmas music like i don't really like when people are like oh get in the holiday spirit i'm like i don't even know what that means yeah it's 
it's a weird it's weird but i think a lot of people can actually probably relate to feeling bad around the holidays because even though there's this societal societal let's all be happy and get in the holiday spirit i think there's a lot of people that do have pain and do and are confronted with that in various ways um so you know i think it might feel a little bit more obvious to us but i think a lot of people can relate to that feeling um well i think it just becomes it gets it gets weird when your emotions are so polarized by the way that everybody else is acting and carrying on like at that specific time of yeah year. and just and the last thing i just kind of add about that i think it's always really weird and hard to like let people in your world in on like you know the anniversary of his death because i think there is still kind of this i mean i still have it even with my boyfriend now i actually last year we've been friends for a while i think i mentioned that on the, our one of our last podcast but we've been friends for about eight years before we started dating and i remember last year us being at a mexican restaurant and i was kind of edgy that whole day and i didn't really draw the conclusion that it was the anniversary of my, and i just lost it on him in the car and he just like held me and let me cry and you know it's and he you know he's really supportive and wonderful but i mean i've kind of had this anxiety that this year he's not going to get it um or he's going to expect me to kind of be over it and that's so not true of his nature and i know that's not accurate but just i think you kind of feel this thing like aren't people like think i'm insane at this point like this it's crazy for me to get sad about this now i mean it's been but it, i think it's not it is grieving but it's also i've gone another year without my dad and it's still sad and it's also honoring him to me i think it's a it's a i want to connect with him i don't want to forget him and i think that's another really weird thing when people just want you to get over something it's like getting over that completely means i'm gonna have to let go of him completely and that's just not something i'm willing to do to make people feel better yeah do you still miss him i mean do i miss him i don't totally know if i can because i didn't i mean I, I I miss the I miss the idea of him. I miss my impressions of him. I miss the person that I was told that he was that I could have potentially had a relationship with. That's that's always a weird question for me, but I mean I guess in short I would say yeah, but I actually really liked what Victoria said where it's like yeah, like I don't want to forget about him. Like I want to honor him. Um like I want him to be a part of my life. But the other side of that coin is that that's painful and it's always going to be pain. There's no getting around that. That is a painful thing to do, but I don't want it to go away. I don't want to forget about them. Like, I mean, I get up, I get up every morning and I, well, I don't, I don't shower every day. Every day that I do shower, <laughs> I, uh, you guys just learned something about me. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I wear his freaking bathrobe around my house. There's a stump that he found somewhere and, like, finished and, like, I don't even know what it is. It's just some stump, and I have it in my house for some reason. Isn't it driftwood? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I just know what it says, and I just got it in my house, <laughs> and I like it. I got his pipes. I smoke them sometimes. <laughs> like I got a. Uh, Do you smoke it while you're in his robe? I've never done that before. Holy shit! <laughs> you have this whole like uh, connection guys, point, Samuel, and you uh, miss me. Let me. Let me. Yeah. While you're sitting on the piece let of driftwood. Me, oh, well. More like while. <laughs> It, it would kind of be in me if I sat on It's kind of got a point, Laura. Yeah. He said a stump. I feel like that implied that it was like flat on top. It's not. It kind of goes into like a point. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to sit on that. That would. That would that change w- your life entirely. That would change my anatomy a little bit. I do think you should take a photo with all of those things because that is so beautiful. I, I was about to say, hold on just a second. I'm going to go get that pipe in the, uh, in the bathroom. <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Aww. Yeah. I have a, I actually have a picture of him in here while we're doing this recording because oh, I wanted so him sweet. in here and I keep that next Aww. to my bed. And I mean, I talk to my dad all the time. I feel like we're besties. I feel like we probably talk more than my mother and I do. So he didn't even uh, like you. That's weird. <laughs> he told me that he's like he's like I wish Victoria would shut the hell up. Okay, that's that that was entirely made. You're up. such a goober, such a such brother. A brother. So we fight over our deceased father's attention. What like he just doesn't even like <laughs> you're it. such a butt, but you know it's it's just been cool I think to, but to get to have this re- and I think one thing I did want to touch on is that our dad's side of the family has just done such a phenomenal job of keeping his memory alive and really letting us get to know him through them. And I mean, from naming their children after him to, I mean, they literally sit down with us at Christmas every year and will tell us stories about our dad with tears in their eyes. And yeah, I mean, wow. Go ahead. They, they also really capture, like, it's like, that was the first example that I'd ever seen of somebody like, reminiscing about somebody like feeling joy feeling connected to them but also feeling a very obvious amount of external pain at the same time yeah and that's probably where i think samuel and i really got that understood that staying connected to him and not forgetting him meant feeling pain and like yeah i mean it's a beautiful thing that neither one of us ever want to get rid of but like it does come at a cost yeah and and I think that that's something that people, you know, we have to, I think just as a culture with everything, you know, we're, we're in this, you know, we want to be positive and feel good and process things and let go of things and release things. But it's, there's something really beautiful about transforming things and letting, mm. and letting grief 
take a different form rather than always trying to get over it and move on from it and releasing it. And I think that's something that we as a culture may have forgotten a little bit. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I think, I think the, um, the idea, um, especially like in Western society is I think that we, so like we want, there's a level of comfort that I think that like every human being on the planet should have. Like, I think every human being on the planet should have, you know, like food and shelter, you know, enough, enough food, enough water to survive and a, you know, soft place to lay their head on at night. I mean, there's, there's kind of an explicit like level of comfort that I think every human being and dog and maybe some cats deserve. Um, (laughs) But then like past that, I think we chase into comfort, com- into complacency. Um, but my whole point with that is the fact that, like, I think that being so addicted to comfort and being so addicted to that has made us, like, like we demonize pain. We think pain is bad. Mm-hmm. We think feeling pain. We think feeling bad. We think feeling hurt. Like, that was a you know, like something that I've talked to a couple like people that I've met that are in like the, uh, you know, psychology world, you know, counseling or whatever, just like, you know, like so many people, like, I just have to tell them like, Hey, like, it's like, it's normal to feel bad sometimes. Like it's, it's good for you to feel bad sometimes. It's good for you to wake up sad sometimes. Mm. Like that's not a, that's not an inherently bad thing that you need to rid your life. It doesn't mean you're broken. Right. Right. And I mean, I think it's, I would honestly argue if if you don't feel in anything at all, you are maybe a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't, if you only can feel one mode, if you're only feeling happy, then, you know, I, you're not really experiencing life. Well, uh, Lindsay, my fiance, she actually said something really cool to me a couple of weeks ago. Um, we went to, uh, we went to the mountains on vacation. So yeah, so we were going through the mountains and um, I just kind of had some flashbacks of when I used to live in Knoxville and just some stupid stuff that happened when I was there. And I was just kind of going through it and I just kind of like got depressed for a second. And then I kind of got out of it because I talked to her and kind of told her what was going on. And I don't know, like I ended up telling her, I was like, look, I was like, since I've met you and since, you know, life has just been what it is like, Honestly, like my life feels like a fairy tale. Like every day feels like a dream. And, uh, you know, something she told me is she was like, you know, she was like, I love you. And like, I love our life. She was like, I don't feel that way. And she was like, but I think truthfully, because of what you went through as a kid and because of the grief that you've had to endure, I think that you have a higher capacity for pain but I also think that that has in turn created a higher capacity for joy. Oh yeah. I think I have, and I, I think I have such a high value for relationship and connection. Hmm. And I, I think that's true of you too, Samuel. Like I think we have this high capacity to have joy in connection to people. And absolutely. How, and really, I mean, I, I, 
I almost didn't share this story, but I just think this is really, I think this kind of ties this whole episode up really well. And uh, I think it was maybe three years ago, Samuel and I were sitting in his car. I was visiting from California out in front of my mom's house and we were both single and really like just wanting to find our person. And we had both, you know, been in other relationships and just not been happy. And we sat there and like prayed and cried and prayed for each other. And it was just this really beautiful, like, moment where we really were kind of fighting for the other one. And also just really creating that value that we both, I mean, I think that's one, I think that's one thing about watching a parent grieve a spouse for as long as we did. We saw the value of having a spouse and a partner and someone you really loved and cared about. And we saw how devastating that was when it was taken away from you. And, you know, I think we've always just really desired that and, you know, now we're both in really healthy, good relationships with people that we both deeply care about. And, you know, I just don't feel like that's really changed. I feel like we still have that same really high value for connection. And Mm -hmm. I just don't really think that it takes a lot to make us happy. Hmm. I love that. Thank you guys so much for sharing your story on in your process with your dad. I think it's so powerful when people are transparent to share their grieving process because it is such a hot topic for people. And when you begin to share your own pain, it triggers other people's pain. And so a lot of times people try to steer away from it, but I'm just really thankful for your story and to hear a sibling, both siblings perspective. I think it really kind of drives it home and, and is going to expand other people who have gone through grief and their own family. And so I'm really thankful for you guys to come on here and share. Thank you so much for this story and getting to know you guys on a deeper level because it is so bonding to get to ask these types of questions and hear the, the nitty gritty, the actual deep pain and process that you go through that a lot of times people don't see on the outside. So thank you. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed that episode. Also, you just got a big jump in the profanity. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That rating just got like an E squared. So, um, you know, as my little Libra moon, Laura and I have had many conversations about the profanity rate of this show. So, but you know, we're rolling with it. So that was authentic and real. So yeah um yeah laura what did what did you think of the episode and like interviewing us i was so excited to get to like talk to both of you because i've never gotten to talk to your brother and to hear like the story from both sides was super helpful for me to understand you guys better but it definitely felt like uncomfortable for me because I really wanted it to be, I, I, my heart was to be sensitive with it because mm-hmm. I have never lost a very close loved one. So I don't mm-hmm. have that, that compassion, 
not, it's not that I don't have compassion. I don't know how to relate to a situation like that. And my heart was like, I want to cover them. I want to love them. I want to, you know, ask these questions from a place of like true wanting to understand and not insensitivity. Yeah. (laughs) That was a really hard word for me. Um, So it was, it was good, but it was also hard because I was trying to toe the line of that. But Mm -hmm. I thought you guys really covered a lot of aspects that people would be interested in hearing your perspective on. And also when you, and I would love for you to share about one of my favorite parts was when you and your brother had the same place that you saw your dad in. Yeah, that was really, really beautiful. And that for me, that was just one of those moments. And, you know, we recorded that, um, a few days before he the anniversary of his death and I was editing it a few days before his death and that was way harder than I honestly thought it was going to be and to be fair I also started my period on that same day uh, so it was it was my my sweet boyfriend was like oh you are like next level I was like Ooh. um so that was it was harder for me than I thought to do the, not actually to do the episode wasn't as hard to edit. It was harder to listen to it. And that for me, when it happened and when I was re-listening to it, in the editing process, it just, it made me feel like my dad has, is really with both of us. And that's such a beautiful thing to get to feel. And as siblings to have that covering, um, it's weird. Samuel has his middle name. His my dad's name is Edward. Man- I don't think we even said this in the episode. His name is Edward Manaham Stevens. Oh wow. Um. Yes, he was an Aries, very Aries. <laughs> um. He has a lot of aspects. Actually, I've been asking my mom lately. Could we go down to the the records in Greenville and find his birth certificate mm-hmm. so that I can have his exact birth time? Oh. Uh-huh. Because I thought, what more beautiful thing than to get to know your father when he's not here and to get to see <laughs> this in his chart. It's really, I actually think I know what time his birth was based on some things I've been figuring out in his chart, but I really would love to have it for real. So yeah. that was really beautiful to get to have. And I just want to say, I thought you did an amazing job mm-hmm. of interviewing us. I felt like you were definitely sensitive to it while still being interested I can imagine that that would be an uncomfortable place to be in and I think just even for people listening to hear how you can ask questions and the kinds of questions that and not everybody is going to be at the place where they're willing to talk that much about somebody that's passed on but I think just being willing to do that when you don't know what it's like is really beautiful. And part of being human, I think, is just to is to try to understand because we understand that you don't know that firsthand, that you don't know what it's like to lose a parent. Um, but we appreciate you. We appreciate you being willing to sit in it. And we know you're not going to do it perfectly. Yeah. Because that- you can't. That was something that you, I remember when we were kind of talking about this episode that you were sharing with me is that when people have lost someone, they just want to talk about them. 
Yeah. So if you just ask questions, like, tell me about what it was like to be with them. Tell me what your favorite things were about them. Like if you just start asking questions, generally, I, I mean, even me, I tend to want to steer away from it because I don't want to bring up pain, but right. part of the healing process and part of the celebration and part of the experience is people want to share about their lost loved one. They want to tell you and a lot, and they, and a lot of people don't ask questions. So when they do get asked questions, it's like a joy for them to get to share a piece of them and keep them alive. And so that was really helpful for me to go through this episode and kind of learn that lesson so that that is support for people like asking their perspective. Absolutely. And that's something that my family has done a really beautiful job of is telling us stories about him. And mm-hmm. that's one of the, and if I have a client that I work with that has lost a loved one, that's the first question I always ask. And I say, do you want to tell me about them? Mm-hmm. Do you just want to tell me about what they were like? Because that's a question that most people, and I get it. I totally understand why that's a question, why people might veer away from because, well, I don't want to upset you further. I don't right. want to make this worse. But at the same time, the reason they're upset is because they miss this human. Mm-hmm. And to all and not get to talk about this person. It's yeah. because when you're getting to talk about, even if it's a sad memory, but getting to talk about them. Yeah. Like you said, it makes them feel like they're still here and that you have a piece of them. And Because one of the things I say in grieving is that if we're willing to go through the dirt to get to the gold, that's what we get to hold on to in loss. So Mm -hmm. if that's the gold is getting to have these moments and talking about my dad and and they feel so pure and getting to say, oh, my dad loved poetry and I have all of his poetry books and he wrote all these little things in the side and I love poetry and that's cool that we have this connection and getting to just talk like, and I found out he had dyslexia for sure. And so do I (laughs) just these little things that make me feel connected to him. And it's, yeah. So I think you did a really beautiful job and thank you because that's actually been a dream of mine to get to do an episode or talk about my dad with my brother like that. Not even just for this podcast, just in general. I've always wanted to get to do that. Wow, that's beautiful. Well, I'm honored to get to be the one that interviewed you guys in that. It was, I cherished that experience for sure. Well, thank you. And thank you guys so much for listening. That was a really, I think, sounds like it was a vulnerable episode for all of us. So we really hope that you enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, And if you did, please subscribe, rate, review the podcast on iTunes. Please tag us and share the episode on Instagram. And you can tag us at the generator podcast. Let us know what you think. Share with a friend that you think would be inspired by it. Follow us and let us know your thoughts and anything you'd like to hear. You can also check out our website and learn more about our coaching services, astrological readings, and our latest blog post at thegeneratorpodcast.online. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a wonderful week and happy holidays. Happy holidays. Bye.